the wise, or the, of the ways of wisdom, the ways of the wise, practical wisdom for, uh, from the book of Proverbs. Um, you know, when I was uh, considering what series to do this morning uh, or to start uh, for the next six weeks, um, you know, I had to reflect on a lot of things in, in my life. And, you know, there's some sometimes we evaluate ourselves and we're like, well, I'm a pretty smart guy. When we read the Bible, we realize that we're really not that smart after all. Right. Um, and so this six week, this six week sermon series, what it's going to do and what we're going to do is we're going to share some of the practical advice and ethical principles that we find in the book of Proverbs. Um, Proverbs is a part of a grouping of books um, in the Old Testament that are characterized as wisdom literature. Right. And um, it teaches us the way. Um, of wisdom, right? It teaches us virtue, and it, it also teaches us uh, how to live a good and blessed life. And so I want us to consider this first message here, somewhat of an introductory message. And uh, the, 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 the main idea that we're going to look at this morning is that the, the theme of the book of Proverbs is, again, the way of wisdom. So you're going to hear me say that quite a few times, the way of wisdom, the way of wisdom. And also, I want us to walk away this morning uh, with one major point, right? And that is that in order to be wise, we must first have a relationship with God. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you in prayer, God. Just so grateful for your love. We're grateful for your grace, your mercy. We are grateful for scripture. We are grateful for what we find in the book of Proverbs. We are grateful for the wisdom that it teaches us. And Father, I pray that we will live our lives in such a way that we apply that wisdom, God. God, I pray that this morning will be, this message this morning will be your words to us that this will not just be my opinion, but this will be your teaching. I pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Amen. And so as I, as I kind of alluded to a moment ago, do you ever notice that no matter how smart you think you are in some areas of life, you can still kind of be clueless, yeah. right? And so um, I have this video clip that I wanted to go ahead and play for you guys that um, kind of illustrates, illustrates this. From an early age, Timothy Richmond understood that with knowledge comes confidence. As a toddler, he understood that riding a bike is basically knowledge, momentum, and no center of gravity. Got it. In junior high, while abroad, he explained how jellyfish stings can be neutralized with vinegar. In perfect Italian. On safari as a teenager, he used his knowledge of veterinary obstetrics. You know, it's tough on the breach like this. Ah, particularly the Bengals. As an adult, Timothy's knowledge of storm cells and tornadoes saved the Newbury Prep cheerleading squad when he explained they'd be safe in a low-lying depression. They went on to win the state championship. But when it came time to buy a new car, he was just as nervous as the rest of us. So Timothy Richmond got his knowledge at cars.com, regained his confidence, and got the perfect car at the perfect price. Pretty cool commercial, huh? 
He knows everything, right? Except how to buy a car. Right? And so the fact is, no matter how smart you are, apart from God's help, you are clueless about important spiritual truths. Right? You can know all these things in life. Like you can you can have all these great ideas and ways of doing things, but when it comes to spiritual truths on our own without God, we are clueless. Right? You know, somewhere around 1990, a young man named Adam Brown was uh, preparing to to go to college. And his dad, an author as well, Jackson Brown, decided to write down the most important things his son would need to know as he prepared for life as an adult. And so he created this initial list of 511 things. 511 things. And by the way, that's volume one. Okay. Um, He later wrote um, uh, two more volumes after that. And he put this advice in the form of a little booklet. And eventually the booklet was published under the title Life's Little Instructions Instruction Book. And it became a bestseller selling millions of copies. And so I wanted to go ahead and read just a few, not 511, right? But just a few of the, um, the, from the few things from the list of the advice that he gave his son Adam. Sing in the shower. That was one of, one of the, one of the, part of the list, right? And so, by the way, the book is indeed a list of 511 things, right? And so one thing was sing in the shower. Watch a sunrise at least once a year. Ask for a raise when you feel you've earned it. Compliment three people every day. Buy great books even if you never read them. (laughs) Have a dog. Amen. Have two dogs. No. Don't get my wife upset right now. She's here to worship. Say thank you a lot. Say please a lot. Be the first to say hello. Learn to make great chili. Be forgiving of yourself and others. Donate two pints of blood every year. And one of my favorites of all 511, never refuse homemade brownies. Never refuse homemade brownies. Those of you who are dieting, never refuse homemade brownies. Does something for your soul. It's all great advice. But... Approximately 3,000 years ago, King Solomon did the same thing. He was the wisest man ever to live, and he compiled a collection of the wisdom he had, uh, he had accumulated over the years. And he presented this collection to his son to, to help him attain wisdom and discipline and acquire a disciplined and prudent, prudent life. 
And so we find this collection in the wisdom books, in the wisdom book, I should say, Proverbs. And it is the original Life's Little Instruction Book. Right? And it contains advice for living life well. For living our life well. But before we go there, let us take a look at 1 Kings 3, 1 through 14. Actually, we're going to just go ahead and start in verse 4. Um, I don't have slides slides for this uh, passage. So if you could turn there in your Bibles, that would be great. And we're going to start in 1 Kings 3, starting in verse 4. It says, The king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Right? What a question. It's dangerous to ask me that question. Right? But at the same time, Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness to your servants, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have, have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. But I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you nor will there ever nor will there ever be moreover i will give you what you have not asked for both wealth and honor so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings and if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as david your father did I will give you long life. What an amazing passage. You know, in this story about Solomon, God appeared to him in a dream and said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. And Solomon said, give your servant a discerning heart. Give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people. Not give me a discerning, not give him a discerning heart to do whatever he wants, but to specifically govern his people. 
and also to distinguish between right and wrong. A discerning heart to distinguish between right and wrong. You know, sometimes we take it for granted that we just know what right and wrong is. Right? But as I said in the beginning, without God, that is indeed difficult. And so in other words, Solomon asked for wisdom. And the Bible said God was pleased with Solomon's request. And he said, as you see there on, your sc- on the screen, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but the discernment in administering justice. How many of us would have asked for that? He said, because you asked for that, or you did not ask for that, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never be anyone like you, nor will there ever be. And we kind of see this come to play in First Kings 10, right? We see this come to play when, when, when um, Queen Sheba, right, approaches him with all these difficult questions, and he is able to actually answer those questions. And she admired, really, his relationship with God. And so we find here that God gave Solomon wisdom, and he passed that wisdom on to us in the book of Proverbs. You see, Solomon realized that when we have wisdom, we can have pretty much anything. And so if you have wisdom, you'll not only be able to make money, you'll know how to keep it. See, that is that takes wisdom. Being able to keep what you earn. It's pretty easy to earn and spend. If you have wisdom, you'll be able to find and develop lasting friendships. Many of us desire lasting friendships. If you have wisdom, you'll know what to say and when to say it. Right? Rather than rather than just saying stuff. It comes to your mind and it just comes right out of your mouth. Right? It comes even to your heart and comes right out of your mouth. But wisdom gives us this discerning discerning heart to say, hey, hold up. That's not nice. <laughs> That's not appropriate. It will possibly you'll possibly even be able to answer the most trivial questions as he did again when he encountered Queen Sheba. If you have wisdom, you'll know how to avoid a lot of the misery that people bring on themselves. And you'll know how to maximize your personal happiness if you have wisdom. But again, where does that come from? It comes from God. If you have wisdom, you'll be able to raise your kids in the right way. If you have wisdom, you'll be able to sleep at night because you won't be dreading the consequences of your actions. You won't go home and go to bed and stay stay awake all night because you're just so sorry for what you did that day. Because you weren't wise. Because you were acting Right, based on your own hurts or fears rather than being wise. When we have wisdom, church, 
we have everything. And so let us start from verse 1 of this wisdom book. Let us turn our Bibles to Proverbs. Proverbs 1, starting, I'm sorry, Proverbs 1, starting in verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight. For receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen. Sorry, let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. You know, I enjoyed reading one through six. Till I got to verse 7. You know, this opening section of the book, known as the, the, the preamble or, or the introduction of, of Proverbs, it builds this foundation and sets the, the table for the rest of the work. It sets this table for the rest of what we are about to learn as we go through this series. You know, when construction workers build a home, they build from the bottom up, right? You know, where we live right now, it's, a, it's an area with new construction in it. And I remember so clearly when they were building the house next door, right? You know, I'd get my morning coffee about to have my quiet time and, you know, open the blinds and I'm just standing there drinking my coffee, you know, watching them work and watching them build that foundation, you know, and they're coming, they cement and you know, having my attitude about how they're setting, putting that foundation on all that bad soil and rocks and stuff. And I'm just like, man, that's what they did with my house. You know, and I'm just drinking my coffee and I'm just looking out the window. And so they build from the bottom up. They begin their construction by crafting a firm and sound foundation. And once the foundation is in place, everything else is built on top of that. So that foundation has to be done very well before they can go up. And, you know, similarly, when a, when a good and, and hospitable host is having people over for dinner, and many of you in here are hospitable hosts, been to your house, had dinner, and this is what you do. The host will customarily set the table, putting out dishes and Napkins and silverware and, and placemats and maybe even a nice, aesthetically pleasing centerpiece. And this sets the tone and it sets the mood, right? And the expectations for the remainder of the even, evening. When you arrive and you see this place setting and everything, you're like, oh, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be good. This meal, this, this 
fellowship. It's going to be great, right? Because everything is set in the right place and we're ready to go. You know, in writing this introduction, Solomon, the main author of the book of Proverbs, is functioning as a good builder and a good host as he introduces to us the way of wisdom. And so one of the reasons why I titled this 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 uh, series, The Ways of the Wise, it kind of was pleasing for me to mention Mandalorian, right? And so there's this Disney series, right, in Disney Plus, right, called The Mandalorian. And and it revolves, what was that? Yes, indeed. indeed, right? And so it, re- it revolves around this, it revolves around the adventures of a wandering bounty hunter, right? And the, the, this lone gunfighter, he's a part of this, this religious order, so to speak, known as the Mandalorians. And this clan is like a clan-based community, right? And it was composed of members from multiple different species, that all were all bound by a common creed, a common language, a common code. And the code and the creed of the Mandalorians is, guess what? The way. This is the way. That is the code, right? It's the way. And all the Mandalorians, they swear by and pledge by and pledge their allegiance to this unifying creed and code of conduct that they follow. And this is the way, right? For instance, they have to wear their helmets. They never take it off. They're not allowed to take it off. This is the way. Like nobody's supposed to see them without their helmet on. This is the way. I was about to spoil one of the episodes for you. I'm not going to do that. But that's but this is the way, right? Because the star, the star of the show, and then and the Mandalorian, he gets kind of himself in hot water when he does take off the helmet. He oh he's no don't go there. Okay, so I'm not gonna spoil it. But look, this is the way, right? And so if we could just uh, play just a short clip of that, that'd be awesome. We'll do well. Reserve some for the foundlings. As it should always be, the foundlings are the future. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. way. Right? The foundlings are the future. This is the way. It's awesome, man. Like, if you haven't watched it, look. Thank you. I don't want to say it. Amen. Somebody said it. But the book of Proverbs, guys, is about the way of wisdom. This is made very clear in this in this opening um, introduction in, in the book. It's, it's meant for the, the introduction to offer counsel. To, to give guidance and, and direction, to, to share words of advice and words of wisdom. This is the way. 
like an old sage who, who shares his knowledge with the younger generation. Solomon is imparting his wisdom to the world, to, to the simple, to the young, as it says, and to the wise. In verse 7, what it does is it prudently notes that fools despise wisdom and instruction. They despise the way. Thus, this book was not written, excuse me, for fools. It is written for the wise. And so this says something important to us about the nature and the character of the wise. And if we aspire to be wise, what we need to be like. Amen? It says the wise are open. The wise are humble. And they're receptive. Some of us are, are either feeling very good about ourselves right now or not so much. Right? The wise, they have the humility and character necessary to receive counsel. Let me say that again. They have the humility and the character that is necessary to receive counsel. To receive instruction in a mature manner. Not just take it and just say, oh, oh, so-and-so said so, amen, and move on. No, but to receive it in a mature manner and not just receive it, but to act upon it. But on the contrary, fools don't do that. The foolish person is too proud. The foolish person is too arrogant. The foolish person is too close-minded. The foolish person is too immature to receive wise counsel. So which one do you want to be? You want to be wise? Or you want to be foolish? Sharing wisdom with such people who despise wisdom is like casting pearls before swine. Jesus said it himself in Matthew 7, verse 6. He says, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under your feet, under their feet, and turn and tear you to pieces. That is how fools handle wisdom. They will turn it around on you like what you have to say is so bizarre and such nonsense. And turn and tear you to pieces because of it. And so as Christians and as readers of Proverbs, we must have the necessary character and maturity, maturity to receive the instruction and the constructive criticism of Solomon in a productive way. Or we will just not get it. We won't receive it. It will be nonsense to us. And so again, as I mentioned in the very beginning, in order to be wise, we must first 
have a relationship with God. In order to be wise, we must first decide that we are going to have a relationship with God and be intentional about that. In verse, uh, in verse 1, I'm sorry, in Proverbs 1, verse 3, it said, For receiving inst- instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair. So Solomon here, he states that, that Proverbs was written to instruct people in righteousness, in justice, and fairness. So on top of being open, humble, and, and, and receptive, the wise person is also righteous, just, and they're also fair. This is the way. This is the way of the person of God. This is the way of a Christian. Again, in order to be wise, we must first have a relationship with God. This is the way. We're called to be righteous, to be just, to be fair in our dealings with others. And so this involves our judgment of others as well. As well as the the, the way in which we interpret the words of others. Have you ever found that somebody can that you can say something and somebody interpret interprets it like very different than you meant it, right? Like you say something and the, the sky is blue, and they get that for some reason they get that it's teal, right? And it's just it's so interesting. Like you know that game where they have the cans. You know, they put that air and they say something. Yeah, that's really old school. Okay, so you know how like, oh gosh, that was my illustration, but nobody gets The what? Chinese telephone. All right. If you want to, it could be Chinese telephone. It could be Jamaican telephone. It could be English telephone. I'm just doing that for YouTube, right? It could be whatever telephone. But the fact of the matter is that as you pass the message on, it changes. It's no longer the same. The message changes as it goes on to the original person that's supposed to receive it. You know, we are to judge people in a righteous and just manner. We're not to take people's words out of context. Misconstruing the communication of others. Instead, we are to be fair and we're to be lenient. Think of your last beef that you had with somebody, right? Your last bump, so to speak. Were you righteous? Were you just? Were you fair? I asked that question because I certainly wasn't. But I pray that this series will help us all. Because we should confront wicked behaviors of bias, prejudice, and partiality. 
and deal with those things. God is not biased. We do not have a biased God. We have a just God. Our God is not partial, according to Romans 2.11. We have a God that is just. We have a God that is fair. And so as followers of God, we must do the same. So I ask you this morning, will you be wise? Will we be open and humble and receptive to wisdom? Again, Proverbs 1, verse 7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Do you fear God? I know we want to be wise, but do you fear God? Is that something inside of you that you could say, I have a healthy fear of the Lord God. Do you conduct your life in that way where you have a healthy fear of God? And so this means that a relationship with God is the basis and it is the foundation of all ethics, moral living, knowledge, wisdom. And so, and last, and perhaps even more significant, this introduction to Proverbs, it offers the basis on which the rest of the book depends. And so the presupposition, right, of of all wisdom is the fear of God. All wisdom, wisdom is going to happen, why? Because we fear God. If we don't fear God, there will be no wisdom. So as we, as we explore Christianity, we explore discipleship, as we live our lives, do you fear God? We can say, oh, I want to be wise. But do you fear God? And if you do fear God, how does that address the things that come out of your mouth? How does that address the things that you feel in your hearts, the things that you do in life? Do you even feel any way about those things? Do you feel bad? Do you regret it? Because if you don't, then there isn't a healthy fear of God. I can tell you, I make mistakes every day. And I feel terrible afterwards. Because I know what it has done, not only to God, but to the person involved. It's about relationships, guys. In other words, according to the author of Proverbs, the author of this introduction, I should say, relationship with God comes before ethics. Our relationship with God comes before wisdom. Our relationship with God comes before us being moral. Our relationship with God comes before the very individual we are as a Christian. How we conduct our lives, our family life, our relationships outside of family, our friends, how we conduct ourselves in the church has to do with your relationship with God. Who you are before him and who you are with him. So I'll close again by just saying this again. In order to be wise, we must first have a relationship with God. This is the way. 
and to God be the glory. Amen.